what pops up a beer or a cold libation Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme I went and took a call from brother Jason And he tells me that he has a little dream He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast And I ask him what you got He said I'll start off with some talking And some moody clips of popcorn fighting Fantasy explorations and some groundness exploitation Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxing Full month horror movie marathon Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on Contest and of course you know it's all about games I said slow down let's just start with the name It's the Nerds RPG Variety Podcast With the other Jason Future Jason here This episode got too long So while I mentioned in the intro I'm going to talk about some games I played And some I'm planning on running I'm actually going to drop that podcast tomorrow so there are no game recaps in this episode because it got too long. Uh, and Anchor screws up if you drop two podcasts a day. So I'll drop a game episode tomorrow. Here I am in the backyard with the dogs in the morning. They just ate breakfast. They're using the facilities, eliminating at, in the parlance of our times, um, and eating things off the ground. Y- you know, dogs are scavengers. They, Stephen King got that right. I remember that from, was it Salem's Lot, or was it, um, yeah, it was Salem's Lot. I think it's in the bookend movie. I remember from the movie where the vampire's assistant, the German guy, was a stroker, stoker? Anyway, um, he makes a comment that he, you know, about wolves, or he loves wolves and he hates dogs because dogs are scavengers. You know, I love my dogs to death. I really do. But darn, you know, I wish they wouldn't go out and just, you know, randomly eat crap off the ground. But, I mean, they are dogs, so it's kind of hard to hold against them. It's been a long time since I podcasted. Um, I've been sick. I hurt my foot. Messing in the backyard with the dogs. Um, and so it's still in a walking cast until the end of May. And, or not cast, it's a boot. It's a walking boot. Um, I didn't break anything. It's just contused, I think is the term, but... You know, it hurts. It was all swollen up, bruised, and but so I'm hobbling around. My wife has been having some medical issues, shortness of breath, some other issues, and we're trying to sort that out. Lately, I'm having some shortness of breath. We both have, you know, whether I want to admit it or not, I guess I do have high blood pressure. I've never been one to take medicine. I'm not on any medicines, but I'm thinking I'm going to have to get on blood pressure medicine, which I'm probably cut down on my drinking, so... I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Probably not. Stepfather, I love dearly, had a heart attack. And, you know, that combined with, you know, he's got dementia. So the way the hospitals are now, you can't have family in there with him or anything. So this poor guy's in there. He doesn't understand what's going on. And they're, so it, it's been, anyway, things have been a big mess. And um, it is what it is, you know, and none of you guys can do much about that, which is fine. I'm not asking you to, but, and that's no excuse to not to podcast because I've been home a lot between everybody being sick and my foot and everything else. I just haven't had the desire to podcast. I've had the desire. I haven't had the energy. I don't know. I've had the energy to play in games. I've had the energy to, um, talk on discord. Maddie, come on, get out of that. But yeah, I don't know. I just haven't, I don't know, I just, it's been hard to podcast. 
And I think some other people have had that too. To, you know, they've had these breaks and it's hard to get back on the horse kind of thing. Um, but I'll try. But And I know this extended and long, but I wanted to give you guys an update on what's going on and on what, um, why I haven't been podcasting. It's got nothing to do with the few listeners I probably have left. Come on, buddy. Come on. Bring it up here. But I don't know. Lethargy. I am lethargy. How about that? I think that kind of covers it. But I'm going to go inside and then I'll tell you about some games I played in, which is exciting. I'll tell you about some games I've got coming up, which is exciting. And I'll, I've got a bunch of phone calls. So that's what we're going to do this episode. Oh, and I do have a, a movie review for you guys that I recorded a long time ago. <laughs> but I'll play it. But let me crowd the, the hounds in the house and I will pick this back up. So I mentioned movie review. Really, it's a lessons learned from movies. Um, and I've watched a lot of movies lately in my current lethargy state. Uh, I won't cover them all by any means. Most have been cheap horror exploitation kind of things, which I, I kind of enjoy that genre, but I can't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> Maybe I can recommend it to John Allen Large. He's one of the few people I know that have seen the Basket Case trilogy. And, um, yeah. And, and again, I can't recommend Basket Case to anybody. I'm not necessarily. It's There's definitely things that anybody would find offensive in there, particularly in the first movie. Um, but is what it is. Um, that's a Frank Heffenheimer, or Heffenhofer, I think. And, and Heffenlotter, I think is the director's name. Um, but that, that whole scene that broke out in that, you know, in New York, along 42nd Street, you know, that was a combination of exploitation movies, kung fu movies, those, like the Shaw Brothers and the early movies they brought over in the late 60s, early 70s. That must have been a happening place, man. I, I would have loved to have been there. That, that would have been great. You know, you have the, when you look at, like, the specials and, and you listen to, like, the, you know, your, your, your black martial artists, African-American martial artists, and they're talking about, you know, a lot of these early guys, you know, they, they went and watched movies up there, too, you know, which is great. And, and they, you know, that's where some of their inspirations came from, a lot of them. And then you've got the, like I say, all the exploitation stuff. And there's a big crossover, you, you know, at that time with the, with the porn industry. So you've got a lot of directors and actors, like from the porn industry, making, trying to make horror movies and other movies. And it's just interesting when, when you see these crossovers and these different things. And, um, and a lot of those movies, you get slices of life that, you know, you won't see anywhere else. And they're authentic because they did the gorilla movie making thing where, you know, they would go out and, which you saw some in mainstream, you know, in that time too. You know, the French Connection, they had no permits to, to do that. There's some of the street scenes in the French Connection, right? And and that's like Larry Cohen never had, well, I, I won't say never, he hardly ever had permits. So pretty much anything Larry Cohen did, the street scenes and all are all, st- you know, they're all illegal where they ran in their film and ran away. But a lot of these exploitation films, I mean, that's all it was. And so that's, you know, Frank, Fred Williamson, who I guess is currently under, he's in trouble because he made sexual advances against somebody on the set or sexual assault somebody on the set. I'm not sure the story, but I guess Fred Williamson's in trouble now, which is a shame. Uh, I mean, if he did it, then, you know, I'm not defending him. But it's it's a shame we're seeing all these folks that we've always looked at as heroes as getting caught up in trouble. But... But anyway, he, he talks about how they were doing a, a scene for, for, I think, for Black Caesar, and where he 
got shot like coming out of a store and he was like stumbling around the sidewalk and they had no permits or anything and and people legitimate and it's you can see it in the film people like move away from him and all and are looking at him weird and that's a real reactions then he said a cop came up to him was like hey hammer do you got a permit he's like nah man he's like okay you guys gotta get out of here <laughs> so so everybody knew what was going on and, and a lot of those movies even the ones that have permits use police off-duty police officers as extras or in the movies and stuff so that's what um i'm trying to remember the director's name off the top of my head the guy that made maniac in 1980 again i i can't recommend maniac i wish i could um because it's a it's a really good movie and and joe spinelli the 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 guy that acts plays the maniac he's in lots of movies i really love him he's a great character actor but maniac has some stuff in there i i, I can't recommend it to it to you know in good taste i can't recommend it to folks but anyhow in that movie there's a scene where you've got um shoot now i'm brain farting though okay so the director for maniac was um william lustig who also did things like maniac cop and whatnot but tom savini is the guy i'm trying to think of Maniac is also famous because Tom Savini's in it. He does the effects for it. Yeah, actually, I have Tom Savini get, has an exploding head where his head explodes. And during that scene, which was shot gorilla style, you know, no permits, you, you know, um, it is, he gets shot and his head explodes. And so when they filmed that, he said that, you know, they had an off-duty cop on set with him. You know, they did the scene and they, you know, handed the shotgun to the off-duty cop and everybody, like, rushed off in different directions, you know, because you can't fire a gun in the city kind of thing. But you look at New York in, in those movies and, and see snapshots, you know, it's like, um, oh, I forget the name of the movie. It doesn't matter because it's a movie nobody's going to ever watch. It's like Carnival Blood or something, but, um, which is filmed at Coney Island. And it's actually, that's an interesting movie too. Both those, both Maniac and, uh, I'll, I'm pretty sure it's Carnival Blood. I'll, figure it out but it um both those have you know crazy killers in them right and is in psychologically damaged killers and obviously and obviously yes what we look at movie crazy is not real life crazy but regardless but you know both are very interesting movies and both were definitely shot <laughs> gorilla style but you get to see coney island and you know the way it was back in the day where nowadays of course you don't so you can rec like you can recreate malls like they do in Stranger Things, but recreating a mall in Stranger Things is nothing like seeing a real mall like we do in Chopping Mall, which Chopping Mall is another movie. You know, again, I can't recommend, but it's, it's a wonderful movie if um, you, you like that kind of thing. But I'm getting off topic. So the movie I'm going to talk about today has got none of these elements. Anyhow, and if you're looking up Carnival Blood for some odd reason. Um, John Allen Large. It's 1973 versions, the one to watch. There's another one, like Matsitsi's Carnival Blood or something, but the one I'm talking about is made by Leonard Kurtman. And it actually is, I think, the very first movie performance of Burt Young, who is in a number of movies, but everybody knows him as Adrian's brother in the Rocky movies, um, as Polly. But Burt Young is in Carnival Blood. It's like his first appearance. He's got He's working under his real name in that movie. Burt Young is his movie name. You know, kind of like John Wayne isn't his real name, that's the movie name. But Burt Young's in Carnival Blood. Um, and, and again, I can't... <laughs> you know, Carnival Blood, I don't know that has. I'm trying to think. Most of the other ones I talk about have nudity in them. I don't think Car Carnival Blood might not even have any nudity in it. I don't, I don't really remember any in there. It, I mean, it's not a good movie. It's, <laughs> it, 
it, it's interesting. Anyway, that's, that's all neither here nor there. What matters is the, um, the movie I'm going to talk about is not one of these bad movies. It's actually got actors that you you know the names of, and it's if you watch it, it's got you'll recognize lots of faces in it. And I think it's got something that applies to games, and you could mix in to make your adventures life interesting. So let's talk about that. What movie are we talking about today? Brewster's Millions, of course, 1985 classic starring Richard Pryor, John Candy, and a host of character actors. I say classic. You know, if you enjoyed it back then, you'll still enjoy it, I think. If you never saw it before, you may or may not. I don't know. It just depends on your sensibilities. It's definitely not a highlight. I would definitely, it's not, if you were new to Richard Pryor, I would send you to other movies, definitely. But on the nostalgia wagon, it's, you know, it's definitely on there. Um, it's an interesting premise, though, if you think about it. So this was based on a 1902 novel, and it's been adapted to, like, 13 different movies. It's been on Broadway. It's been in theaters. It's been redone a, dump- a number of times. But the in this version of the story... We have Richard Pryor, a down-and-out minor league baseball player in Hackensack, New Jersey. And you know they're down-and-out because a train, there's train tracks in the middle of the field and they have to pause the game as the train goes across the field, right? So the idea here is he has a rich uncle he didn't know existed who dies and leaves him this vast inheritance. But there's a catch. He has to spend... Basically, his uncle wants to do the old, you know, when you catch the kid with smoking a cigarette you make them smoke a pack of cigarettes to try to make them hate cigarettes well that's the idea here his uncle wants him to hate spending money so what he does is he's got 30 million dollars he has to spend in 30 days but he can't have any assets to show for it can't have any property can't have anything and on top of that he can only give so much to charity, so gamble so much, like 5% each. So 90% of this he has to actually spend. He's got to spend it with some decent financial management. Um, he can't just blow it, you know, walk around giving, you know, bums on the corner $3 million, stuff like that. So an accountant's assigned with him to make sure it's, it's spent somewhat responsibly. But he can't tell anybody why he's spending all this money in 30 days, you know. If he successfully does this, he gets $300 million. So it's a pretty good, pretty good investment. Now, there's also a, a wimp clause, which if you watch the movie, you'll find out about. But uh, overall, it, it's kind of enjoyable. It's, it's interesting to think, you know, could you do that? Could you do what he's doing? Um, you know, I, I definitely would. I, I, I know I could because I, I don't have a problem spending money. But this is an interesting concept for your game. And depending what game you're playing, you know, you could do it differently. But it's really easy in any game, well, maybe not a caveman prehistoric game, but even in a medieval game, it's easy enough to have an uncle, you you know, a family member you didn't know existed, or you find out, oh, you're really the bastard son of the king or whatever, right? So you have the long-lost relative trope you can play. You can do that pretty much in anything. And, you know, in, in the games where you have money and it's not just a barter system, then that long-lost rich relative, you could do the Brewster's Million things to your players, right? You can say you have to spend this much money in this amount of time or, you know, whatever, and and see how they handle it. Um, 
or you know that this long dead uncle or long dead relative has a you know a, a special task they have to do before they can inherit the money and maybe it's not spending the money maybe it's a mission maybe they need to recover something or you know whatever but the long lost relative trope is definitely something you can adopt um and and the um lawyers doing lawyer things is always something you can adopt as well you know it's okay to have slimy lawyers in your games um there's no reason gaming can't accurately reflect real life so yeah Brewster's Millions it it's a painless two hours or hour and a half whatever it is and it's not the best movie in the world it definitely wouldn't be in a top 10 list I would make for anybody but I'm glad I rewatched it so there you go Okay, I will throw in one more movie idea. Well, idea from a movie. I don't think anybody listening to me probably should go watch this movie because I don't think you'll appreciate it and and I don't think it deserves to be appreciated because it's trash. But there's a movie that I watched recently that I referenced in the Audio Dungeon Discord after a comment by... Rob of the Down and Heat podcast because he brought up Gibbon who wrote a book about the decline and fall of Rome well that book was referenced by Joe Bob Briggs on a recent episode of the Last Driving and so the movie they showed after they referenced that book which I won't mention here because then you might want to go see the movie and you'll be you know very appalled when you go see that movie but the, the idea of the movie is something you could definitely incorporate in your game. And that is the idea that they your characters go to a show. You know, it's a theater. And, and the theater is showing scenes of torture and depravity, right? And But they look super real. And this probably works better in a modern context than a medieval one. It probably doesn't work so much in D&D, where just torturing people in the streets is probably okay in some people's campaigns. But in a modern context, it would definitely work. Like Call of Cthulhu, this could definitely work. So you're seeing this girl on the screen, and they're doing the thumbscrew thing on her, and, you know, she's she's crying, and there's, you know, like, it's probably ketchup there coming out of the screw, and, you know. But the conceit, of course, is all the torture they're watching is real. And, but, the, but they're playing it off like it's fake to do this weird avant-garde kind of show, right? And in the movie, it well, it's let's not talk about the movie, but in your games, this could be this could work. You could definitely do this as an intro, and, and your so your characters see hear about this performance, and then they go check it out, and like what the heck, and then it leads into further things. In the movie, it led into like white slavery ring and some other things, but wh- however, whatever you want to spin it in your in your game is fine. But the idea of a quote-unquote illusion that's actually real, you know, so, you know, that's something you could twist and use, so, we'll, we'll thank Rob in the Heap, Rob from Down in the Heap for that recommendation, but we won't, you know, say that he actually saw that movie, so, there you go. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here, so, um, you said that you are keeping two things you got from Elvira, Mistress of the Dark and that those two things that you are holding close to your chest I wonder what those two things are from Elvira Of course that's Josh Beckelheimer of the JB Publishing Podcast it's great to have him back with us 
you know, check his podcast out. He's kind of revamped it in the you know recent past. I assume he's going to keep on the same direction where he's kind of aiming it towards people that you know have some anxiety and are kind of overwhelmed by some of the game material but still want to run a game and trying to help them work through that. So I think that's a great goal. It's very interesting to listen to. Yeah, that, that little double entendre there. See what I see what I did there. So that that little thing with Elvira. Actually, those weren't the two things I was thinking about. But with Elvira, it's hard not to think about those two things, right? Um, no, there are two other things. There's the I, I really like the name of what she does with the dog. She has the, she inherits a dog named Algonquin, and she goes, "Oh, you'll be called Gonk," and then she you know shaves this little guy and gives him a punk overdue. I kind of like that part of the movie. And then there's another piece of the plot there that that I like that I'm probably going to incorporate in a game in the future. Um, But good catch there, Josh. Good way to call me out. I appreciate it. And another thing is, this is from a much older episode, but I did not know Scarlet Heroes had rules for solo play. Um, I guess I only looked at the starter game and then the individual free product the solo heroes and so now i'm really interested about scarlet heroes and seeing how that solo game stuff works because i like that idea that you're having of using that as your game system for your one-on-one game and possibly throwing in another one but then also doing solo play within the same world i think that'd be kind of cool because you can have it set to where things that you do in your solo game might affect what happens later on in the one-on-one game. I really like that. But I have used the solo hero rules quite a bit. I'm actually using them now with my uh, 13-year-old daughter. We are using old-school essentials, but we are using the solo hero rules over top of it. And we're just going through um, Dyson's Delve. She's still on level one. It's just a slow game that we've been playing. But it's been fun. I mean, we're just playing old school essentials with the solo hero rules on top of it. And um, there's been moments where she still almost died and had to defy death, even at the level one. But it's been fun because we like the, um, what is it called? The fray die. The fray die is very helpful, but we both forget about it all the time. So it's one of those things that I gotta have a mental note. Fray die. Always use the fray die because I always forget about it. Hey Josh, thank you so much for those words. Um, yeah, I really like Scarlet Heroes, and yes, the solo rules and all kinds of stuff are in the full book. So there's there's a lot more in the full book than what's just in the free quick start. Um, I mean, if you already have Mythic or one of these other solo, or Rayotis's The Oracle, then you don't really need the solo rules. You can use the Oracle and do everything. But the nice, th- the neat thing he has in the solo rules is he has like separate little things for, you know, a town adventure and a wilderness adventure and a dungeon adventure, which are kind of cool. So I, I definitely think if if you can swing the money, it's well worth picking up the full Scarlet Heroes. I also really like the setting. Um, I, I just like the whole thing. Kevin Crawford's a pretty smart guy, and he does a pretty good job. And um, Scarlet Heroes is a product worth picking up just to pick for ideas, I think. Um, yeah, and definitely you could run one. You could do like um, Chicago Wiz, Michael Shorten does, where he has one world, but he'll do different systems in that world. 
but it's all, you know, it's all the same thing, but different games he's playing might use different rules. The advantage of using Scarlet Heroes, from my point of view, is I'm using effectively the same rules. So whether I'm, you know, when I work up a NPC or work up a monster or something, it doesn't matter whether I'm playing solo, playing one-on-one, or playing with a group of eight. The stats and everything would all be the same. So I'm not having to adjust, hey, what system are we playing in now? Which version of the stats are we using for the work in this game? You know, or which stats are, you know, for Lord Montross in this game? It, regardless, it's all the same, you know, across the board. So that's a big advantage to me. Um, is it that big of an advantage? I don't know. It, it appeals to, let me say that appeals to me. Because realistically, having the different sets of stats isn't a big deal. But, you know, but the idea of that appeals to me. And the idea of one system to rule all appeals to me. Kind of like GURPS appeals to Trey Webster. And I, I can definitely see why it does. Um, and, and, you know, Scarlet Heroes wouldn't, is not the only system I would ever use. But I think in a fantasy world and doing that sword and sorcery kind of vibe, I think Scarlet Heroes is perfect. Or a swashbuckling kind of vibe, I think Scarlet Heroes is perfect. And it's as good a system, I think, for that as anything I've, I've seen. Um, to give you all that flexibility. I think if you're playing with a game... I, I really like Barbarians Lemoria still. But Barbarians Lemoria takes a lot more prep work as far as the villains and stuff. Than what you would have to do with Scarlet Heroes. So, definitely the old... The age of that system shows. So, anyway, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate it. Hey, Jason. I've just been catching up on your last month's podcast and it got to the Sorcerer one. And I thought you were going to do that about Ron Edwards' Sorcerer. I was looking forward to that because I have I've never read it. But I've also never seen Sorcerer and I know how amazing a film it's meant to be. I really like Freakin's films. I think he's an amazing director and very. Very troubled man as well, I imagine. But um, yeah, the uh, obviously the other one that immediately springs to mind when you described it is Fitzgeraldo, um, Werner Herzog's um, epic jungle quest, um, and and that plus the documentary of how they made it is just incredible. I I wonder if you've seen them. That it's, it's a slightly difficult watch, Fitzgeraldo, but but definitely worth it. Um, anyway. Um, I'm just going to just plow through your last month's uh, cast and um, enjoy them whilst cooking. Yeah. That was the amazing Andy from the Expedition Grizzly Peaks, Andy Goodman, who's decided that doing actual plays is more fun than actually podcasting these days, which is a shame because I used to enjoy his commentary on his podcast. But anyhow, he's a great guy, and I highly recommend you go listen to his shows of whichever flavor you decide to listen to. Sorcerer, great movie. Um, you know that documentary. I have not seen that. I will check that documentary out. I wasn't aware of it, Andy, and um, I, I will look into that. That sounds really neat. You know, you mentioned Freakin. He was an interesting director. He would do things to get reactions of his from his actors, right? So he would get out there and he'd have like a forty-five with blanks, you know, you know, pistol, and get get behind the actor, and so they'd be doing their scene, and he'd fire this this you know, this gun with blanks behind him, you know, and just to get the actor to jump to get the right reaction in the film, you know, without the actor knowing it. And he'd pull stuff like that. So, yeah, Freakin' is an interesting cat. Um, I, I really like some of his movies. Though. He's he's an excellent director, but, yeah, inter- interesting cat. Oh, and you mentioned Sorcerer by Ron Edwards. I finally got my hands on a copy. 
I still need to get a copy of And if people don't know, you can get these in PDF now. You can, you go to his website, is it Adept Press, I think? Yeah, I think it's Adept Press. Um, but just Google like Sorcerer PDF or Sorcerer and Sword, which is one of the, well, I think all the supplements are now Sorcerer Soul and Sex or or Sorcerer, Sword, Soul, and Sex. They, they've included all the supplements in one book. So you have Sorcerer you can get, and then you can get the book with the three supplements. But they're both available on his website, PDF form, $15. is legit PDFs. It used to be you could just find bootleg PDFs out there, and he just sold a physical copy. But you can buy legitimate PDFs from him now on his website. Um, I just got a hold of Sorcerer. I have not finished going through it yet. Um, I know Dave Aldrich, D-Percentile, wants to run it. He he's, really loves that system. And so maybe we'll, we will get a game in here soon. Who knows? Hey, yeah, it's Jules from Jules from NZ. Just listening to some of your back catalogue. I'm catching up, as I have been doing on lots of people's podcasts. And um, I was just listening to you talk about um, Lock and Key, you know, the, the TV program and, like, how you could – like use it in your gaming and um, what it had made you think about. And, oh, my God, I think you fixed one of my problems. I have to make a brand-new world um, for a quest book for a DM um, thing that I'm doing, and I have to have people playing in my world. And I was really stuck as to what an original ideal for my part of the world could be. It's a, it's a sort of a world where we all work on a section of it, and I think you've just fixed it. Um, because my world was all about performance and illusion and the illusion of keys and doors that do weird things and, and take them different places. Oh my God, such a good idea and I'm definitely stealing it. So thank you very much. Hey Jules, thank you so much for the call. That's Jules from NZ. That's New Zealand to you and me, fellow Americans. And I highly recommend you go listen to her podcast. It's wonderful. She brings tons of energy to it. She gives you all kinds of awesome facts about New Zealand and interesting things. And then she also talks about RPGs. You know, she was, um, uh, I'm trying to remember because this is just something I, I remember for her calling into Joe Richter's show, Hindsightless. I want to say she was a magic champion at one point in New Zealand, like a legitimate champion. And she's a, a paid DM. Or she was before the COVID stuff. I don't know if she's still doing that or not. But um, anyway, Jules is really awesome. And she is your 5e expert in New Zed. <laughs> um, anyhow, I, I do recommend you, you go listen to her podcast. And I'm so glad my lock and key snippet has helped you out. Uh, I, I really like looking at popular culture and pulling out things you can use for your RPGs. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that was of help to somebody. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for the call. Hey everybody, thank you so much. That That's it for the show. I thank you for hanging out with me, listening to me complain about medical problems, listening to me talk about crazy movies, answering some calls from some awesome callers. I know I was going to talk about games. I, this is already such a long episode. I'll put out another episode where I talk about games I've been in. And, um, yeah, I'll put out another episode with games. But I don't know what it is. I'm, you know, I'll try to get back on my regular schedule twice a week, and um, we'll go from there. But I wonder if it's environmental. I wonder if it's like radon or something. I mean, we've got a radon mitigation system in the house. I wonder if I should check for that. There's something going on. I don't know. Anyhow, I'm, I'm going to cut it loose now, and I'll drop another one tomorrow with the game information on the, all the games I've been playing in and all the games that I'm playing or running. So we'll do that tomorrow. So I'll talk to you later. I want to thank all the amazing callers. I want to thank all my listeners. I especially want to thank 
Ray Otis, who provided the art for this podcast, and TJ Drennan, who provided the amazing opening and ending song for this podcast. You know, I'll have links for everybody in the credits. Also, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on the Audio Dungeon Discord. You know, you can just look on the RPG Anchorites, soon to be RPG Podcasters channel. It used to be the OSR Anchorites channel, but due to various reasons, the name keeps changing. Um, I'll just leave that there. Anyhow, you can reach me there, or you can use an anchor on the app on your phone, or you can go to the computer, you can leave me a voicemail, voice message on Anchor, and I'll put you on the air and make you famous. Joking about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the house. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question left is if I fiddle shoot him dead. Bring on the gold, bring on the gold. I want some more, bring on the there is a dustman in your moilers by the tipper And I'm assuming that your partner back there in the wood chipper Don't look away